Hello and welcome to the Raising Men Show, and I'm your host, Craig Carlisle. Super Tuesdays. You know how we do it. What up, Chatham? I love the opportunity that God's had and He's given me to be here with you every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. And again, cool things, we're right here doing it again at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on WKBY 1080 AM out of Chatham, Virginia. And also, you can listen and pull the stream down on WKBY 1080 Net. If you ever miss an episode, you can always catch us, our podcast, right on theraisingmenshow.com. That's T-H-E-R-Z-N-G-M-E-N show.com. You know, it's funny. I've really, really, really wrestled with this topic today, and I, I, I don't really ever like to let topics get to me and to get the best of me, And but man, you know, sometimes these topics really do, because before I do these shows, I really kind of end up living out the the topics and the messages. And I really live out and walk out the impact of how it impacts me because I know I can't be the only one out there that's actually dealing with things in this way from a, you know, a single dad, little dad's perspective and trying to be better, right? I mean, that's what the mantra is about raising men is supposed to be all about is to help men become better just better husbands, better fathers, better men in general, better men of, better men of God, just better people in general. Now, I, I, I don't always get it right. I don't claim to be perfect, and I know none of us are perfect. And I mean, if we were perfect, I mean, we would be there sitting on the right hand of God the Father. And that's how Enoch got there, too, because he was raptured up before he could sin. And I don't think any of us are uh, going to come anywhere near what Enoch did, and definitely not what Jesus did. So we need to just kind of deal with it and just keep it moving but today's topic is sticks and stones and like I said I've, I've, I've really felt some kind of way the last couple of weeks I've, I've tried my best to record this get my notes together kind of plan but you see it just it just wasn't coming out right I just don't like to just get on the air and just press record and just talk for the sake of talking because you can you can hear the at least for me I, I can feel the, the insincerity and in and just giving up giving an empty speech about a glass of water or I mean this isn't Toastmasters. I mean this is supposed to be an opportunity to really to deal with the topic and to wrestle with things to help us become better. So if you're not wrestling with a the thing, there's no thought there. There's no if there's no thought there, there's no substance and I don't want there ever to be a time when I just give an empty show and just kind of mail it in for the sake of doing it. Oh, I did it. There's my 58 minutes and on to the next episode and play those commercials and keep it moving. I I don't want that. I, I need this show to be of value to me so I can grow. And if I'm growing, that means my kids should be growing because I'm trying to teach it in part what I'm learning here and, and put it into common practice in my house because one thing with me, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I, I, I really despise being something that I'm not. And, and that's really what the topic of today is dealing with in, 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 a, in a broader sense because people oftentimes will call you out of your name. And I, and I, don't, I don't like that. I'm, and I'm not talking about people just, you know, cussing and swearing at you. No, it's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that there's so often people will just say things that just aren't true. Or they'll just make some comments about something that they thought they heard and just kind of run with it and just throw it back at you. I, oh, I know you. And when in reality, 
they've really not taken any time at all to find out who we really are, who the other person, person may have been, and really get to the brass tacks of the matter. But, and that's why I think it's been taking me so long to even do this show. Let's, you know, I've been doing a series called Truth and Transparency for so long, so maybe I should toss this into that whole series as well. Because, to be truthful and transparent, I didn't want to do this because I didn't want to come off like the angry black man. I didn't want to let the people who may be listening to this and may think, well, is he talking about me? Is he talking about me? Well, you know, if, if I am talking about a situation that relates to you and you feel guilty about something and feeling some kind of way, maybe that's your problem. <laughs> maybe you want to spend some time talking to God. So, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend any time calling anybody out on this thing. And so if you, if you feel some kind of way about what I'm saying or about to say, that's, it just is what it is. But the reality is, when we say things to people, about people, in a negative way, no one has the right to put their mouth on anybody. Not in this kind of a context. Not saying bad things about people. And I don't want anybody to ever know that they got to me. That, I think that makes me more upset than anything. But, I, but this, I just, I just couldn't shake it. I, just, I don't like when people see me sweat. I don't. I don't want them to see me sweat, but I just couldn't shake it. I couldn't, I think in a lot of cases, I didn't even want it to admit to them that even they were even partially right. Because we, we, when we're totally, okay, let's just make it serious, make it real. When someone says something to you and about you that makes you think about who you are and evaluate who you are and what you said or didn't say, it's a good thing. In so many ways. But when we when we get, get feedback, so we get feedback all the time. We did a good job. We didn't don't do a good job. We we did a great thing. We didn't do a great thing. You look good today. You don't look good today. I mean, there's there's always kind of things going back and forth and back and forth. But the the the, the real catch here is that when you when a person says something to you. If especially if it's something we don't like, we don't always listen to what was said and weigh what they said against what we heard. We often are caught playing back the bits and pieces that we heard in a way that really kind of makes us kind of twisted up. So we, in so many cases, we miss the context. We miss what the person is really having to say to us because sometimes the information is good because facts are friendly. And facts are facts. And so, but we have to be able to be like a good journalist and, and even be like a good detective. And we have to check our facts and make sure that before you say something to someone, before you hurl an accusation at someone, before you say that a person is a certain thing and you speak death upon their life, you need to understand did I spend any time, did I spend any time with that person trying to understand where they came from and how they may have come to be that way. Or, or maybe I should have given them the benefit of the doubt at that moment that maybe they were having a bad day or maybe that's what they were in the old man and in the old Adam, so to speak. And did they really get an opportunity to change? Are they trying to change? I've had people recently just dump a whole lot of junk on my lap, on my doorstep and just here. Take this. This is what we. This is what I feel about you. This is what I know about you. This is what I heard about you. This is who you are. And I'm like, wow. 
that's that's kind of it's kind of jacked up in so many ways. But I come from a past where, man, had you done that to me several years ago, before the wedding, before I said I do, back when I was a much younger guy, I'd had a few more choice words for him. Because, see, I'm that guy that was born into a family whose mom was a quick-witted woman. She had a sharp tongue. And those of you who, uh, you know, those who know the, the Mrs. Carlisle, Mrs. Eunice Carlisle, my mom, you know, those who knew her as the pastor's wife, the one, the tall, five-foot-ten lady who used to always look nice on Sundays to come in with the church hats, the fancy shoes, the Evan, Evan Pacone suits, And all those really nice fancy church dresses. Hey, t- don't let that fancy church stuff fool you. That lady taught us to cut you and sometimes she'd even use her hands. And there was my dad. That guy, we was the perfect image of power under control. I used to think, man, that dude don't ever get angry, angry about anything. Till I witnessed it a couple times. In a supermarket where people were treating him unfairly were giving him the respect that he deserved for no apparent reason. And my my dad, he was a a darker-skinned gentleman, and so my mom used to make sure that when he went out in public, he looked nice. She always wanted him to look nice. Not because he was a dark-skinned gentleman. He he did that, but she always wanted him to look a certain way. So he used to always go out with, you know, Vaseline on his lips. But I know my dad, when he used to get angry, his lips used to turn white, like ashy white. Like dried out white. I was like, uh oh, here it comes. And sure enough, he would let that person have it. But in a nice way, and he would never raise his voice. I, I can't honestly say that I got much of that from him because when I, when, I, when I get upset, the kids will tell you. It's one of the things I'm working on. I'm trying to not yell and scream, I'm trying not to do that. But I tell you what, when you get to me, when I allow you to get to me, when you leave stuff on my doorstep, when you leave stuff on my lap, when you leave stuff just here, just let, just let me throw up all over you and you don't take any responsibility at all for what you said or the situation, that's not a good thing. So guys, I know I'm not the only one that deals with it. When we're trying to, it usually happens a lot that the enemy will bring that to you when you're trying to make some changes in your life. When you know that you may have had some issues me with temper and anger and anger management and, and, and pride possibly yes yeah, pride yeah and then and in dealing with people trying to not allowing you to change and and I, and I know I'm a type of person that that's trying his best to change from from what he used to be in the situations he was in and, and having to respond to people a certain way who just may have done me wrong for any reason. Someone may have done you wrong for a reason that it caused you to act out of character, that caused you to go into a defense mode, caused you to act a certain way. Because I, I know that the Lord doesn't want us to be, you know, spiritual doormats for anybody. So when people do that to you, they're just, it bothers me when a person tries to walk away guilt free. I thank the Lord for showing me why I've been so angry with some of the feedback that I got. Because that's it right there, Lord. I, I, it's, it's, 
I don't like when people get over on me. I was raised to actually abide by what the Bible says. But that means I, we had to be the bigger man at certain points. Mom and dad used to always tell me, we need to, we need to turn the other cheek. So when someone says something to us and does something to us, and we don't need to retaliate outright. I mean, this isn't a season that we need to be retaliating. In all cases, now, there's some points when we need to. Well, please don't get it wrong. I've bit my tongue enough till it bleeds. In fact, I'm not even sure I'm, how I'm able to continue to talk on these radio shows because I, I thought I've pretty much bitten all of my tongue off. And it doesn't help that God has given me a quick wit also and a sense of humor like my mom and my dad kind of put together. I don't always exercise that power to control, but I can definitely tell you when we need to get there, we can get there quick. I was always that one too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't care. So, men, if you find yourself in those places where you didn't care and you're trying to turn to move from those places, the enemy doesn't want you to, to, to come out of that space. And, and the enemy doesn't want you to believe that you've come so far from where you used to be. Because when I was, before I got to be 6'3", 220 plus, and Jim Strong, I, I knew I could handle money. I wasn't going to let anybody get over on me. I used to think, man, how do you people just say those kind of things and get away with it? My dad, Mississippi, born, military bred. I used to watch him, learn to patience. And he was a preacher, of course, pastor, doctor. He probably has forgotten more about Christianity and God than I think I may have ever known to this point in my life. But I remember when he used to tell stories, and I used to read the stories in the Bible where Jesus got angry. And I'm not advocating violence for violence's sake. Please don't get me wrong. But I know when Jesus went to the temple and he turned over those tables of the merchants and the money changers, I'm sure he got a little heated during that time. Because you just don't turn over a table and people run away. And because if you walked in kind of ha 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 and you turn a table over, they're going to be ready to fight you. And if you don't believe it, go look for yourself in, in, in Matthew and Mark's account on the 20, Matthew 21 verses 12 to 13 and, and Mark verses 11, 15. So chapter 11 verses 15 and 18. It tells you the story, those two separate accounts of Jesus in the, in the temple driving out the people who were selling and changing, selling goods and, and exchanging money in the temple. Talk about making your, his, his temple, his, his house, a den of thieves and robbers. Okay, I get it. I get it. Okay. Jesus also, he had a, a cooler side too. When he healed the servant's ear, when uh, that, that, that high priest who, after Peter cut his ear off, when they were coming to get him, when Judas was, was turning him in and, and showing, yes, yeah, this is who Jesus is. But the trick, though, is we have to know the intentions of people. And then we also have to have our own intentions set in place. And we're able to deal with those sticks and stones that, that people toss at us. Again, you're listening to the Raising Men Show, and I'm your host, Craig Carlisle. We'll be right back after these messages, and we're going to continue talking and dealing with sticks and stones. Who you hire as your realtor matters. You need a realtor who looks out for your best interests and not their own. 
Marie Clark with Allison James Estates is a full-time realtor, specializing in helping first-time homebuyers in Temecula and the surrounding areas. She is also a ministry leader. Today, why don't you choose Marie Clark to buy or sell your next home? Please call 951-265-6259. This is Craig Carlisle, the host of The Raising Men Show, and I'm also an executive producer of the independent feature film, Restored Me. It's a powerful, feel-good dramedy that centers around a young man trying to restore his relationship with his young daughter and her mother after his wrongful incarceration. This film speaks to restoring your faith and pushes a bold message of positivity and motivation. The cast includes Gary Owen, Bill Duke, Will Young Lee, Matt Gerald, Richard T. Jones, Malik Yovo, Yancey Arias, and both Casper Smart, just to name a few. Restore Me is available on over 100 digital markets including iTunes, Amazon, and on demand from your local cable provider. Buy it, rent it, either way I'm asking you to watch it. It'll bless your life. You're listening to The Raising Men Show with your host, my dad, Craig Carlisle, on WKBY 1080 AM. And welcome back. That's my youngest son, Jackson, on the bumper. Thank you, son. I appreciate that. So again, today we're dealing with the topic of sticks and stones. And and it really deals with words and how we are impacted by it. And I sat a lot, sat a lot this last couple of weeks trying to figure out what really starts an argument, what really gets tempers flaring most often. Especially with guys, I mean, you could easily say, "Oh, alcohol gets it going," but that's really not what it is. If you if you really sit back and think, because you can sit back and if that's your thing, I mean, you can drink yourself into a stupor and fight never break out. I mean, but if you're really sitting in a place, whether you're quiet in a space or loud in a space or just minding your own business, but words most often get things stirred up. When people actually say things out of pocket, say things out of character, say things that are flat out lies and aren't even true, or saying things from a perspective of that, from a perspective that they they don't even understand the background or the context of what actually went on. I looked at the old phrase when I was getting as I was preparing for this message: "Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me." This is a pretty much stock response to bullying back in the day. Of course, this was a long, long time ago. And when I looked it up, it, phrase.org.uk was the one that gave a report that said the earliest citation of this quote was found in an American periodical that was that largely had a black audience. It was the Christian Recorder. And the first time the Christian Recorder ever showed and used that phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, was in 1862. And I th- and I always wanted to ask people, because I have to ask myself, when was the last time someone said something to you that made you angry? That, that, that actually was speaking death on your life, or that, that really caused you to be angry? Because I know the word also talks about be angry and sin not. So I can't honestly say the last couple of weeks I've been able to do that because I've been angry the last couple of weeks over some things that people have said to me unsolicited things and it, and it wasn't it, the sad part about it, it wasn't even people that I didn't know these are people who I knew in some capacity some better than the others but it's just the truth is we get feedback from people all the time but still I'm still processing some of what was said and I may be in this case for quite some time 
And I know I'm not perfect. And I'm not, but I'm only responsible. We're only responsible for our part of an issue. I can't do anything about what the other person said or did. And it's not my responsibility either to go and fix them and to go, to go down and put my hands on them and, and, and force them to agree with my perspective that it wasn't me and, and to take their responsibility for what parts belong to them. That's not, that's not what we're supposed to do. I'm supposed to deal and go to God and pray. And, and if I've got it all against my brother, I need to go to them first and, and deal with it. And, and if that doesn't work and there's no way to reconcile, and get, not to reconcile, but if, if there's no way to actually get that conversation handled civilly, then you take it before another brother. And if you're still not able to get that done, you know what? They said take it to the church, to take it to the elders, take it to the leaders and have it worked out. The key, though, is that you've got to be able to get the situation worked out for yourself before you start writing and raving. You need to listen to what was said. And I'm learning, as I'm learning to do this, I'm trying to learn to actually even practice healthy self-care and deal with the truth of what was said, not what I heard. And there's a difference between what was said and what was heard. And if you really think about it, well, what do you mean? It's almost like Back in the day when we were kids, I used to play the song Telephone. In fact, even in some cases in these, um, like, how do you say, icebreakers and social behavioral science, you know, speeches and seminars and stuff, they would, they would have an example of maybe five or six people in a group, and you'd have a, a person who actually, you know, was reading what the script actually was, was, was to one person, and then a person was supposed to just listen intently to what was being read to them. And then go turn to the next person and tell them what they can remember of what was just read. And then so on and so on and so on. Unfortunately, by the time the story gets to like the third or fourth, fifth person, it's nowhere near what the story started out to be. And that's really where it is today when we deal with people who are saying things about us that are bringing feedback about someone else as well to our to us. Because I look at what I heard. You can say it's gossip or whatever it is. But in, in any case, it's, net, it's not always the truth. And the more times that story is told, it gets further and further from what it started out originally being, whether it's true or not. When you hear someone say something to you that upsets you, what I'm learning to do is to step back and listen. The Bible says we need to be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Definitely slow to become angry. If we take the time to listen to what was said, not listen to what we heard them say, but actually listen to what was said, nine times out of ten, it's probably not going to be as bad as what we thought we heard them say. Now, I get it. There's a lot of cases where it was really bad. But I guarantee you, if you actually listen to what was said, it's not as bad as what we made it out to be, especially when you spend some time talking to some friends. Because that's actually what I did this week too. I talked to a couple of people that I trusted about the situation, and I and I and I walked it back and I said, "No, this is this is what I heard." And they were like, "Women." I had actually had a couple of people that I talked to that actually gave me some wise counsel. And they stopped me. And they were like, "Wait a minute, what did they really, what did they really say? Did they really say it like that?" And I had to go, "Well, no, no, they didn't say that." And well, well, what did they say, Craig? I mean. What was what's got you all fired up to the point where they really would have said something so ugly? So in some cases, I had to go back and listen to either what was said, go back and read what was written, 
go back and settle and, and ask the Lord to just remind me what was said to the so I could understand the meaning and the context there. And I had to look at it and remind myself that facts are friendly. And in, 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 in every case there is, the person who told the story, it was their feedback. So to them, it was factual. To them, it was the truth. To them, that was what, that's what I was to them and what the situation really was, whether they took responsibility for any part of it or not. But the truth is, now I'm responsible for how I'm going to respond. Or if it even warrants a response. I have to also be able to say, how much in there is actually true? And if all of it is true, or part of it is true, whatever part of whatever part in there is true, I have to understand what was the context in there. Just like when we're doing Bible readings and pulling a scripture for a message like this, you can't just pull a scripture out of the air, out of the Bible, open the Bible up and spin through the pages and pick a scripture that you think sounds good to your ear that goes and put in your messages because it doesn't always go in context with how you're trying to apply it. So if we really look at the context of if someone said, hey, you know what, you really aren't a nice person or you're not very patient, you're not very kind and I remember when you were such and such or I heard that you were this kind of way. You have to go back and what was the context of how I was, how my life was or how I was living in that time? And there may be a time when you really have to look at it and admit, you know what, they may be right. That because the fact was, based on the description, based on what was being said, based on the on the timeline, based on that instance, they may be correct. We may not have been nice people. We may have overdrank. We may have been alcoholics. We may have been, you know, angry people. We may have been whatever they said we were. But is that who we are right now? What was the context that made you appear to be that way? Was there something that was provoking that was provoking that behavior? Were you defending yourself? Or were you just acting outside of yourself? In any case, we have to make sure that we're acknowledging our part of the situation. How were we then? Who were we then? Do we love God then? When we walk in a, in a relationship with God, do we, do we love Christ? Were we honoring God with everything that we were during those times? And where are we now? Are we worse now than we were before? Are we better now than before? Hopefully better. I, I would love to say that I'm better than I was before, than just a few years ago, several years ago, many years ago. And I believe that be, to be the case too, because a lot has happened I know in my life over the last few years, I mean, of course, yeah, I just celebrated the seventh year of anniversary of my wife's passing. I know I've grown a lot. I've experienced a lot during the course of my marriage, before I got married, and then now afterwards. It's a whole, it feels like a whole lifetime ago. Had relationships just go sideways, and, and you, you have to figure how that's going to go for now. How are we going to respond to the absence of relationships and going into new relationships. I don't just talk about the romantic relationships. I'm talking about friendships and family. There's relationships that shift and change over time based on just how people are. I have to spend time evaluating me. Each one of us have to spend time evaluating who we are. Speaking to God, God, help make me better. 
Who are, who am I now? Where where did my mind and my heart and my feelings and my anger take that conversation, take those comments, and take me to a place where I was upset? Did I make up my own story in my head based on what I heard? I know I've done that in my past before, and I do it now from time to time. I, I, I did it with this situation here. I made up a story in my head that was based on how I was feeling, and I was hurt by what was said. Our feelings and our emotions are, are say, our feelings are filtered by our emotions. And we, and we want, in some cases, to lash out at the person who said that. In some cases, we're hurt by who said it. If we're not retaining what was said, then we need to be able to write it down and go back and reread it as best we can. Filter through. We got to remember to stop reacting to what we've heard. Words and or feedback in this case are filtered through the lens of our past hurts, our present healings, our perspectives on the issue at hand, and our relationship with the person or people who provided the feedback. I'm, I'm going to say that again. Words or feedback or feedback are filtered through the lens of our past hurts, our present healing, perspective on the issue at hand, the rela- and the relationship with the person or people who provided the feedback. In any of those cases, sometimes when you had an injury or surgery, our body's still healing. So on the outside, we may look healed, but deep tissue wounds take a long time to heal. Broken bones take a, a long time to heal, even though they may be stronger over time than they ever were at the moment of the break. But still, we have to be able to give it the time that it needs to become better. Our hurts and who we are is always going to filter and shade in everything that's said to us, every instance that we go through life. Okay, we'll be right back. You're listening to The Raising Men Show, and I'm your host, Craig Carlisle. Hey everyone, my name is Eric Tomlinson with the Tomlinson Group at Rancon Real Estate, where we design the sale of your home around you. With our nationwide network of agents, you and your family are at the center of every decision, conversation, and step of the journey to your next home. From hello to congratulations, selling your home with the Tomlinson Group at Rancon Real Estate is designed to both learn and surpass your expectations. Call me today at 951-970-6727 so we at the Tomlinson Group can begin surpassing your expectations today. We want to work for you. How do you avoid pitfalls that will disrupt your life? My office is very good with helping families protecting assets, building wealth, college flexible plans, tax-free retirement, and so much more. I am John Treese Wells with Royal Financial Group, licensed to help million-dollar families, businesses, and everyone in between. You can contact me at 951-757-4202 or email me at jw.nofamilyleftbehind at gmail.com. I'm about your family. You're listening to The Raising Men Show with your host, my dad, Craig Carlisle on WKBY 1080 AM. And we're right back. Thanks, Kaden. That's my 16-year-old. Appreciate your son bringing me out of commercial break that time. So again, this is segment three. We're going to start putting some helps together a little sooner than we, then, and I don't want to wait till the end of the 
the last segment and, and really pull things together because I want to start right now. And while I was really spending the time and with God this this week, in the next two weeks, actually kind of really wrestling with this and wrestling with my feelings and trying to really flesh this thing and find out why was I so doggone upset by some feedback? Who cares? What what difference does it make? But I had to ask God, it's like, you know, why does it matter what people say? I know in the past I've struggled with what, what has been coined a performance spirit. I mean, I want to do well. I I, I always want to hear feedback on, on the shows and how I'm doing and how am I doing as a father? How did that impact you? And I, I was blessed to be able to speak at a at Centerpoint Church at their men's breakfast. And I really wanted to hear how people liked it. And, I, you know, I, I want to be speaking at another engagement here pretty soon. And I want to, I'm sure I want to hear how that was, a, how it affected people and how you liked it. And But the reality is nobody really has to like it. Long as the Lord is pleased with it. And that's one of the hardest things for me to to deal with. I want to know, I'm sure a lot of us men, we want to know, a lot of people want to know, how are we doing and how does it feel? And it, was it okay with what I said? Was it okay what I posted? Because if you get into the whole social media side of it, I mean, what you post on that side of life, if that's what you're doing, it's, it's important. Are you getting the likes? Are you getting the clicks? Are you getting the comments? Are you have a conversation engaged? And where are you? Where are, you? you know, are your numbers up? Are you trending? But when you're doing the work of God, you're doing good things and trying to make a difference, you're not going to trend in a lot of cases. Because a lot of people really don't want to know the good. They only want to do the superficial. You want to see this image of what they think they see. They want to they want to be something else other than what you're trying to do. And it was funny. I actually was reading social media this week and there was a picture of a guy who was the aftermath photo was him taking a picture from inside of an airplane and you could see uh, the airplane wing and the engine out through the porthole window. But when you saw the staged selfie that he was actually taking, he was actually holding a, well, he was actually holding his camera with a toilet seat next to him with his computer screen with the wing of an airplane and the engine on it. So the the toilet seat was actually acting as if it were the window portal. And he had just framed it just so, and if you didn't know any better, you was inside of an airplane sitting on the wing. But in reality, he was sitting in his house or in a place where he lived. It may not have been his house, but sitting in the place that he lived, holding the toilet seat up in front of a TV, a computer monitor, taking a selfie. If he wasn't full of crap with that one, I don't know what what was. But I asked God, again, why does it matter so much? Even for those who say that, they, that it doesn't matter, there's still some people in places that really make a difference to those people, make a difference to us. If they speak against us, it matters. There's some trusted people that we have that they say something if they say Buddha was the wrong way, we're going to be like, oh man, I'm, was it that bad? Or how did I do? Or, you know, bring it to me straight. How, many, how did I do? Did I do good? Because you, you, you trust those people. You want, to, you want to know. And the Lord gave me an answer that he took to the world. I have Genesis 2.18. And it deals with the fact that we were built for community. 
We weren't built to be by ourselves. No matter what we may say or no matter how we may feel that time, whether our, I don't know, whether our depression wants to get the best of us or our social anxiety wants to get the best of us or just our pride wants to get the best of us and be, I don't know, be egotistical and arrogant, think you don't need to hear from anyone, think you have all the answers. But Genesis 2.18 in the NIV says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So, of course, yes, the backdrop and context here is from the standpoint of a romantic relationship and sending a helper and a, a wife to be built to be perfect for the man to help him along and him helping her along as well, but helping him along life, being able to be a part, be suitable for him. Suitable mean, meaning having the right attributes, not just guys, not just picking up any woman or any man for any woman, for, for that matter, along the way. It makes a difference. We, we talked uh, just two weeks ago about the different categorizations of love. You can easily pick a love relationship. To be, we talked about Ludo's relationships where they were just relationships that are a matter of recourse, a matter of, of a mutual benefit, where there was really no love there. And, and those people that were involved in those types of relationships were choosing to be there just to fulfill a goal, whether it be uniting of kingdoms or ideologies, or if it was just to kind of keep the perception of what people thought they were away, so they got married, or, or people just wanted to have a child and didn't see any other means to have a child come into being and didn't want to go through the whole artificial insemination, just wanted to have a child. It's a variety of other reasons. But even as I went through the commentary, about this, I'm going to read some sections here of what the commentary was talking about in terms just of this section in Genesis. <clears throat> because God loves us so much. He created man. Now, when I say man, we're not talking about just the man singular, the male species, but man in general, humanity, man and woman together. They created us in, in God's image, in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, in, in the image of the three in one. So, if, if if God is, is together in a form of three and, and man was created to be here on earth initially, God, he saw it fit that we'd not be by himself. And in fact, the commentary speaks about this, but let me read a little bit here before I get ahead of myself. And the commentary was stating that how, how gracious God pitied the man's solitude. And when he said that it was not good for that man, this man should be alone, that there should be a, an upper world of angels and a lower world of brutes or demons, and that between them, where the man lives, there being no other creature of the same rank or stature or beings of himself, none that he could converse with familiarly. Because at the time, Adam was just there with the animals. It was just him ruling over them, just doing whatever by himself. But God thought it would be great and true for him to have a helper because the man at that point was all alone. So that now he had made him to know both the male and female and it would be better for himself to be together, not alone. It goes also on in the commentary that talks and says, It is not for his comfort for a man to be 
because a man is a social creature, but it is for his pleasure for him to exchange knowledge and affection with those of his own kind, to inform and to be informed, to love and to be loved. What God says here in Ecclesiastes 14 is that, 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 that as he says is of all men, that it's better for two to be together than one, and woe to him that is alone. Solomon was quoted in the Bible to be one of the wisest men in the world. Now, granted, Solomon did a lot of things he probably didn't need to do for the Lord to give him wisdom and understanding and knowledge, but Solomon did a lot of things and he went a lot of places and he learned to love a lot of things, a lot of people, and he says, okay, now I get it. It's not good for man to be alone. I'm sure he had been alone and he had been with people and he he was able to live out the scripture and understand through that type of revelation. Okay, yep, it's better that no one be alone, that Woe to him he is. It's better the two be together than one. Last part, I think, of the commentary I'll read here and then we'll move on. How gracious God resolved to provide a society for him. The result of this reasoning concerning him was that the, this kind of solution, that I will make a helpmate, a person for him, someone for him to communicate with, to enjoy the same nature and the same rank. I thought that was awesome. When we really think about then what we do, guys, how often do we really find ourselves in community? How often do we actually call our friends? How often do we actually really spend our time investing in conversation so we actually be, are able to hear those words of affirmation, hear those words of correction, hear those words of knowledge, and hear the words that are coming from the Lord to help you help us understand how to become better. So when we find those words that are negative, those that hurt us, those that are not of good report coming back to us, it doesn't have such a, a negative impact because we have a community to go and take these words to, take these feelings to, have a place that's where God is with flesh on. So he can be there right with us and, and talk through the situation. And so we can learn to be angry and sin not. So we can can kind can, of can work out our issues. How often do we call people? When was the last time you reached out, called someone that you trust and you know? Not just some random person that doesn't want to hear from you, who, who you may hear from every Christmas, New Year's, and Easter. I'm talking about someone that genuinely has their best interests at heart. Someone has, sorry, someone who has your best interest, our best interest at heart. Someone who you have their best interest at heart. When was the last time you did encourage someone like that? In our lives, do we have the mentor that's seasoned more than we are? And I'm not saying it has to be an older person, but a person who's got more wisdom and knowledge and understanding than we do. A person that we can go to for knowledge. A person that we can get some information and we can bounce an idea off safely. When, where is that person? When was the last person we, time we called our mentor? In some cases, it's our spouses that, as we walk together or we get you know seek counsel from. In some cases, it's a, a parent or a sibling or a good friend. We also need to spend time reaching out to those that we are mentoring. Those who are younger in the faith, younger in wisdom, younger in knowledge than we are to check on them, to encourage them, to help them along these times when they find people that have beaten them up. And in ministry, it's it's easy to become beaten up because far so, so often in ministry, we really only get to hear, in parenting too, so it's not just a ministry thing, so we're not going to bash on churches today. 
it's a ministry. Parents, parenting. How, how, when was the last time we got a thank you from a child and for doing something that was our job, that was our natural duty, that we did it probably a thousand times? When was the last time we got a thank you from our child for giving them a punishment? For helping teach them along the way? Now, there are some great moments when you get that hug that's like, oh man, that's just what I needed. And it came right on time. But parents, if we, if we waited all of our time and all of our lives for just those moments to survive to the next time that we needed something, we may be waiting 20, 30 years in some cases, five, six, seven years, definitely five or six days or more. But when you really need that encouragement, when you really need that community to push you, when you really need that word of affirmation, those of you whose love languages are words of affirmation, that's me, you need to make sure that you're, that you're in community with people who are giving you those things, in community with people who are actually standing alongside you and able to speak life into you, that are able to, to speak those things in your life that aren't as though they were. It's because so when the moments when the enemy is it, when we're allowing the enemy to speak that death upon us and we're agreeing with what people are saying and what the enemy is saying in our ear, those are the people that are gonna help stand by you and help you shake it off. You no, know, you gotta you gotta not come into agreement with what's said. That's not who you are. That's that's something that the enemy wants you to believe. That's the old you. Are you still practicing those old things? No, if you're not, then you can't carry them. You can't accept that to be the truth, and you gotta shake it off. All right. You're listening to The Raising Men Show right here on WKBY 1080 AM and on TheRaisingMenShow.com. We'll be right back for our final segment. Hey, everyone. My name is Eric Tomlinson with the Tomlinson Group at Rancon Real Estate, where we design the sale of your home around you. With our nationwide network of agents, you and your family are at the center of every decision, conversation, and step of the journey to your next home. From hello to congratulations, selling your home with the Tomlinson Group at Rancon Real Estate is designed to both learn and surpass your expectations. Call me today at 951-970-6727 so we at the Tomlinson Group can begin surpassing your expectations today. We want to work for you. How do you avoid pitfalls that will disrupt your life? My office is very good with helping families protecting assets, building wealth, college flexible plans, tax-free retirement, and so much more. I am John Treese Wells with Royal Financial Group, licensed to help million-dollar families, businesses, and everyone in between. You can contact me at 951-757-4202. Or email me at jw.nofamilyleftbehind at gmail.com. I'm about your family. You're listening to The Raising Men Show with your host, my dad, Craig Carlisle, on WKBY 1080 AM. And we're back the last segment. Really appreciate it. Really excited. This one, this was a hard word for me. I had to actually spend some time digging up and finding out where I was on a matter. I had to admit my own fault. I had to admit that there was there was some truth to where we were. And again, the topic is sticks and stones. And we talked about that old adage, that old phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words and or names can never hurt us. But that's not true. Well, it is true that sticks and stones can and you know may break our bones, but words, names that were called they can do just as much damage, if not more. With the suicide rates climbing among youth and, and amongst the older people as well. 
bullying and, you know, just the whole concept of what people are saying to us, just those words can do such damage to people. And it's unfortunate that so many of us would just hurl them away, hurl the words around like we're entitled to, just like they're just free. They're, they're not actually free. They technically are. They are free to give. As long as you have breath, you can, and you can move your vocal cords or type your thumbs on a, on a keyboard or fingers on a typewriter and send it to someone or post it on their social media or do whatever. Yeah, those words are free for you to send and distribute, but it, it comes at such a cost to a person's characters, to a person's heart, to a person's mind. And, and there just may not be a, a place for them to always go that they feel that they can. There should always be a place that they can go for solace and comfort. But some people may not actually feel as if they have a place to go to shake off those negative words. And they may not understand what it is to not come into agreement with that. What does that mean? I mean, so not to use the church ease word is to come into agreement, meaning I'm not going to agree with the devil or a person acting on behalf of the devil. I'm not going to agree with you that if you say that I'm this, that I'm lazy, that I'm slow, that I'm, that I'm mean, that I'm desperate or whatever you say that I am, that I'm not anymore, that I'm working on no longer being, or maybe, maybe it's that moment when I heard you say it or I read it that said that I was a certain thing, that I was some kind of way and I didn't like it. And I'm not saying that you get to, that that person gets the honor of being the one that told you about yourself and look at you. No, it's it's a choice we all have to make. When I hear people back in the day used to say things bad about me, I used to coil up and withdraw from people. I used to say, I don't need people, I'm good. It was my defense mechanism. I used to curl up in a shell. For years, I didn't have anything to do with people and it's because and, it, and it's since my wife died it has been getting easier and easier for me to be and deal without people because i've come across people that have just decided to well let me not say it that way so lord i appreciate you for correcting me there i do believe in a lot of cases the lord was to allow me to discern or give me discernment about it, re revealing me how some people were and their intentions and also revealing to me what my how i really was and how and what my intentions were. And I've, I've spent those times in my life, the last seven years for sure, trying to grow and figure out who I was anyway. I had to find out what my new why was and, and try to get up off the mat, off the floor, off the bathroom, uh, out of the trash can, trying to figure out what was going to be next for me and, and become a better person. Did I, did I want to continue to be the one that was sad all the time? Or did I, want, did I want to be the one that was always waiting for someone else to make my life complete? Was I going to be the, I didn't want to be that one anymore that was always trying to fill this hole in my chest where my heart used to be because my wife was gone. And I was that one for so many years that was angry at God because he swore he took her from me. And I was just kind of getting out from the behind the fact that I thought I shortened her life because of just how our marriage was. That's a whole different topic for another day. But I had to understand that none of that was true. Her days were the days that she got. The days that, that I have, the days that I have. In both cases, I have to be able to, to do what the Lord tells me to do 
with the rest of my life, with the rest of my days, because I, the days, of, I don't know about you guys, but it has felt like these days are getting quicker and quicker and shorter and shorter. So we don't have all this time that we thought we would have to get it right tomorrow. Oh, I'll get right tomorrow. Oh, I'll say sorry tomorrow. There's an old song that church that where I grew up, well, actually, it was at my aunt's church. So, Louise, I remember y'all used to sing that church, that song, Get, get Right Church and Let's Go Home. And the AME church, these um, our AME church, we didn't really sing that song. That was a little bit more of that holiness stuff. And so we didn't always sing all the, the good stuff. We sang a little bit more of the different stuff. But that's a song. Talking about Get Right Church and Let's Go Home. Because the reality is, there's, there's going to come a point in our lives where we're going to die and if we can't go back after death and fix anything that was left undone. We got to fix it now. And okay, I know a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks or so back, I, I did the show on mama mentality. That was an interesting, just, just comments and feedback from people who felt some kind of way about Kobe Bryant or not. But independent of what you feel about him, good person, bad person, there were several people and some children that died on that airplane. Some 13-year-old girls didn't will not be able to see a part of lives that we've already lived. And in my case, four times the age of some of these girls that died in that, on that aircraft. I sat there and I watched the celebration of his life and his daughter's life. And those 20,000 or so people that were, or 19,000, whatever it is, in the Staples Center that actually sat there for the full uncut time of his funeral. And for those, I'm sure there were countless thousands outside the building and all around the world watching that realizing that for the 40 or so years that that young man lived, he accomplished so much at a great cost to his family, great cost to his body, a great cost to his mind. And now his, this 13-year-old daughter and the other people on that aircraft, those were all the days they had. What are we doing with our year, our day, our 13 hours, our 13 years? What are we doing with the time that we have? Are we spending time spitting venom and words at people who don't deserve it? Why? To make you feel good about yourself? To remind the other person of their place and their stature being lower than yours? Because you think that they perceive themselves as better than you? We need to make sure we use our word wisely. We need to make sure that we use our dash wisely. I say the dash because that's the dash, the line between the day you were born and the day you die. Because no one knows how long that dash is going to be there. I don't want to be known as the guy that treated people poorly. I'm not excited either about being the guy with the, with his five kids and his wife died. But I don't, some of the stuff are factual. That is a fact. I am that guy whose wife died and who's raising five kids. Yeah. I am that guy. That's a fact. But what's not a fact is the fact that I'm a derelict father. I'm not selfish. If I was a selfish father, if I was a person that that didn't take care of my kids, my kids would be hungry every day. I wouldn't be able to look at them. We would have a different, they have a place over there. And it wasn't because of me, it was from the grace of God that took care of that, not me. But I can't go to everyone that has something to say and bash them. You can't go to everyone that has something negative to say about you and bash them. All you can do is live. 
suck it up, bite your tongue till it bleeds, pick the pieces of your tongue I'm off, don't try to swallow it, throw it away, do whatever you got to do, sew it back on, live. Ask the Lord to forgive you for what you've done in the past and help you become the better person you could be tomorrow. All you can do is continue to grow your community and open your doors to those who you need, who the Lord comes and you draw them into your home for you to minister to, for you to be ministered to. We've got to be able to ask the Lord to forgive us for our shortcomings. We've got to ask the Lord to forgive those who spoke out against you. Bible talks about those who despitefully used you. So we want to, want to forgive those who despitefully used you. So Lord, I, I just asked you here, Lord, I asked you to forgive those who I've said things negatively about out of anger, fear, ignorance. God, I ask for forgiveness for those who spoke things against me that were hurtful, just out of turn, that I've been just so twisted about it. But I, I thank you, God, for just this opportunity to have had these last couple of weeks to work through my own issues and, and be able to dig up some things that are hurting me so I can become better, so I can learn to once and for all be able to be angry and sin not because I don't want to sin. I don't want to, God. But, you know, I am. we do the things that we don't want to do and we don't do the things that we that we want to do or supposed to do. I, I get it. It's a part of that 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 man side, that fleshly desire, that 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 how do you say? That free will. Man. I always, I always tell the Lord, man, I wish you had given me something else besides free will. But I know the Lord loved me enough to give me the will to, to to use it towards him and to give it all back to him and choose him. And I know it's a wonderful thing, but it's tough. So if you find yourself in these moments when you just don't want to and you don't know how to, you just have to keep giving it and keep trying and ask the Lord to forgive your unbelief. Lord, so I ask you to forgive my unbelief now, even for those persons and people that in times when I'll screw up, mess it up, not be the best dad. But I'm going to keep on trying. And I want you to do the same thing. Keep on trying. If I'm going to try, then you try. We'll work it together. You listen to the Raising Men Show, and I'm your host, Craig Carlisle. Until next week. WKBY 1080 AM. We keep blessing you.